Good morning. We'd like to welcome you all here on this first Sunday of Advent. I'm going to do that thing that people do and invite you during the opening songs to move closer. We would love to have you closer to us. Though we are few, yet we are mighty. Please stand and join us as we begin our worship service by singing our praises to God. You may be seated. 
The spirit of Christmas is the spirit of hope. The, the prophet's words speak of a Messiah who would bring redemption and peace to his people. Humankind hopes of many things, but our longing for a Savior was our greatest desire. This hope was fulfilled with the birth of the Christ child. On this first day of Advent, we light this candle as a symbol of Christ, our hope. Remembering the words of the Christmas carol, Join us as we continue in worship.
is compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the Savior, the hope of nations. Father, we have come today to sing your praises and to uh, just be in your presence together. And we ask that you will help us to know your presence in our lives individually and corporately, that you would be pleased with our worship, and that you would draw us closer to you and to one another through this time. And we ask this through Jesus. Amen. Take a moment to share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today.
A couple things I just want to highlight um, as we move into this uh, holiday season, transitioning from Thanksgiving into Advent. Uh, there are, um, this Wednesday night, all of our activities are on a regular schedule. We do not have anything going on here tonight. Next Sunday night, uh, we have a uh, baptism service. If you would like to be baptized, uh, let me know today or tomorrow as we uh, make preparations for the folks who are being baptized. If you haven't already, let me know. Uh, also, uh, next Saturday, it's coming Saturday, we are hosting a seminar by Andy Bannister, who uh, is uh, an expert in um, Christian-Muslim relations and uh, does a lot of work with uh, evangelism to the Muslim world. And uh, he will be coming for a seminar Saturday morning. If you are interested in that, we have uh, some forms on the back table. You can take one of those. Half of it you tear off, and you can just give that to, uh, leave it there or give it to one of the ushers or pastor, and we'll make sure that that gets the right place just so we know how much uh, preparation to make. Love to have you be a part of that uh, on this coming Saturday. Also, there are uh, Advent devotional guides in the back for the Sundays of Advent. Something you can do uh, individually, couple with your family, friends, however you want to do that. But it's just, uh, just a brief thing that you can do on the Sundays in Advent and Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Also, we have uh, some copies of the Fruit of the Spirit recipe books that we put together. Some of you may have contributed to that. They're on the back table. If you haven't taken one yet, uh, please feel free to do so this morning as you leave. There are always prayer concerns in the bulletin related to things specifically here as well as the world. And we continue to ask for God's grace in each of these circumstances. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Galatians uh, chapter 3 verses 26 through chapter 4 verse 7. Uh, That's Galatians 3, 26 through 4, 7. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have, been, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is nor male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise What I am saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when you were under age, you were in slavery, under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you no longer are a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, This time I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward. So this is how it was, a silent night like any other. When heaven sent the one 
that we would call our Savior and redemption began in a stable in Bethlehem. All of the angels lifted up their voices and filled the night with hallelujahs. God is with us now. Everyone come and join the heavenly chorus. Our Savior King is here before us all to hear the sound. The song creation sing when hope came down. Please sing with us. So this was truly God wrapped up in a tattered blanket. Love was finally here, sleeping while the Because of that hope that came down that we can come to God with all of our concerns and burdens, prayers of our hearts. We're going to take a few moments to pray together. If you would like to offer your prayers at the altar rail, please come and join me. Father, as we begin another Advent season, 
we are reminded that we owe everything to you. We've just completed a a day in which we gather to specifically give you thanks. And we are grateful for so much. We have more things to be thankful for than we could describe. It is only appropriate that this day leads us right in to this most awesome of seasons as we prepare for the coming of the Christ child and give thanks for your love that has come to us in him. Father, during this season, we're asking you to work in our hearts individually and corporately. Make us more teachable. Give us a desire to let you change us. Give us a hunger for your eternal word. Make us people who are renewed in our spirit and in the way we look at the world and at each other. Father, give us grace to be able to release our passions for control, for instant solutions, for the use of force, and instead help us to be committed to peace and humility and love. Make us people who are more interested in helping others in need rather than conquering them or controlling them or defeating them. We pray that you would fill us with courage to defend the defenseless and to protect the helpless and to stand up for the most vulnerable in this world. Father, we are very cognizant of the need for peace as we watch events throughout the world. We pray that you will give to the leaders of the nations wisdom in handling conflicts and opposition. Help them to make decisions that bring peace rather than escalating the conflict. Father, we pray that you will continue to help those who are recovering from recent disasters. Pray for your hope in the midst of despair and healing in the midst of great pain, comfort in um, incomprehensible grief. May the presence of Christ be visible through your spirit and through your people. Lord, Lord, as we prepare the way for you this Advent season, we pray that you will keep in your gentle care all of us who are struggling, suffering, in pain and need. We pray, Father, that you will bring healing to our diseases. We pray that you will give peace in the midst of our fears and worries. 
Give us direction as we stand at the crossroads of life's uncertainties. Reconcile what seems irreconcilable. Encourage us when it seems that hope is lost. Provide for our needs as only you can do. Father, we pray all of this through Christ, the incarnate, eternal Son, in whose name we offer our prayers and from whom we learn the model for prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Please stand and sing with us. Come, thou long expected Jesus. We are a, a culture that's uh, enamored about time. You think about all the time pieces that are in your house or your room. 
we have, I would guess, you have numerous clocks. We, uh, we, have, um, we have phones that have clocks. We wear watches. Ironically enough, I forgot to wear my watch this morning. <laughs> we, you know, we, we have all kinds of, of ways in which we tell time. And, and we are always looking for that. I mean, I was thinking about in our kitchen. The microwave has a clock on it. The stove has a clock on it. And what I find interesting is that I can wonder what time is it. And instead of looking at my watch, I look up because I want to see the digital dial and read it. It's too much effort to move my arm like that. So we are always thinking about time. What time is it? How much time do we have left? The comedian Victor Borga once said that he could tell time with his piano. Trin said, what are you talking about? And so I'll show you. He sat down at his piano and he just began to bang on it. And pretty soon there was this loud knocking on the wall of the apartment next to him. And he heard this shout, stop all that racket. Don't you know it's 1.30 in the morning? We, we have all kinds of ways in which we think about time. But it's not just time, it's timing. You know, it's not just the, that we are thinking about what time is it, but we're talking about how the timing of things fit into our lives. This is a, a, an ancient concept. You know, the Greeks have two words for time uh, that or in our scriptures, one is chronos, we get that word chronology, and that is the kind of time we were just talking about. That's hours, minutes, days, weeks, months. The other word is kairos, and and it's more about timing. It's not so much that you're talking about this is going to start or end at three o'clock, but it's about just the event of it. And so we talk about timing, and if you're out driving You're up in Buffalo or Rochester and you're driving and you you may look back and think, boy, we timed those lights just perfectly. Or that came at just the right time. Or we even talk about that. She's ahead of her time. And we have this concept of not just when things happen, but the bigger picture of the context of how they are happening. And what I find fascinating is that we are not the only ones who are concerned about time and timing. So is God. God is concerned about timing particularly. In fact, you could make a a case that the kingdom of God is all about timing. You think back to the Old Testament, Abraham, Sarah. And God comes to them... Abraham's 75 years old, and he says, Sarah's 74, and he says, I'm going to give you a son through whom all the world will be blessed. And they find that a little bit amusing at their age. But they say, all right, God. And what God doesn't tell them is there's some timing involved in this. Because it's 25 years later. When Isaac is born. You think about the Israelites in Egypt. They end up going to Egypt because there's a famine. And Joseph is there and he welcomes them. And they grow and multiply and become this great people. And the Egyptians are a little bit afraid of the power that they seem to have. So they enslave them. And they cry out to God. You're going to come and save us. And God says, yeah, of course I'll save you. 
And 400 years later, Moses comes onto the scene and God saves them. And from way back to Adam and Eve even, and through the history of God's people, they have been thinking about the the Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one from God to come. And they keep crying out, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? When, Lord? When, Lord? When? And it works its way through the kings and the prophets and exile until eventually a little baby is born in Bethlehem to a common couple in a common place. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4 that at just the right time, God sends his son. At the appointed time, at the perfect time, when the timing is just right, when everything is as it should be, God sends his son. And the whole incarnation The coming of God in human flesh is shrouded in God's timing. That's significant to me. Because when you talk about God's timing, it it speaks to us about who God is. God has to be omniscient to know. He has to know all things in order to know when the right time is. He has to be able to understand time. He has to be able to understand all the things that are going on in a way that we can't begin to understand in order to know this is the right time. How many, how many of those moments have we had where we wonder, is this the right time, is it not? And we have no way of knowing. We just take a, make a guess. God doesn't guess. It's now. This is it. He knows. It also speaks to the the power of God to be omnipotent. That it's one thing to say, okay, I know this is the right time. It's something else entirely to be able to do something about that being the right time and have no hindrances to being able to do it. You and I might say, well, I know this is the right time, but these circumstances are preventing us from doing anything about it. But not God. This is the right time he knows. He can act on it. And nothing can prevent him from acting on it. And it also speaks to God's character. That the whole point of it. The reason God wants to do this. At just this time. Is because it is good. It is best. It is right. It is his heart of goodness and love and mercy that says, this is the right time, I'm going to act now because it's in the best interests of my people, my children. We can sit back and say, okay, I get that. I agree wholeheartedly with that. Uh, God's good at timing in ways that we aren't. He can do things that we can't. The hard part of this is that the minute you start talking about timing, you have to also start talking about waiting. And that's not our favorite thing to do.
See how uncomfortable that made you feel? Right? Just, what, 10 seconds where I stood there? I know what's going through your mind. He's forgotten what he's going to say. He's had a, you know, a stroke. What's going on, you know? Right? We don't like to wait. Waiting is hard for us. I mean, one of the most frustrating places in the world are those little rooms outside when you walk into a doctor's office. We've given up, you know, Jerry Seinfeld says, you know, we've given up even, even trying to work anything good about them. We've, we just call them waiting rooms. You know, we just, let's, just, let's just admit it. This is a place you know you're going to come for the purpose to wait. You know, and, and he also says that, you know, you're sitting there in the waiting room and you're waiting and then they call you back and you think you're going to see the doctor, but really you're not. You're just going to a smaller waiting room. And they don't have the right kind of magazines, and they don't have good magazines in those wait- in that waiting room either. My apologies to all the doctors who are here this morning. Uh, we don't like to wait. No, it doesn't matter if it's doctor's office. The, you know, we're waiting for a car to be fixed. We're waiting at the airport. Uh, we're, we're waiting for traffic. Waiting is hard for us. We want things now. But you can't talk about timing particularly the timing of God without talking about waiting. You just can't get away from that. And that's the frustrating thing for us is that we are called to wait. The question that's going around in my mind is why? Why is God so enamored with timing and waiting? What's the point of it? And I'm convinced it's because it's only in waiting that we can learn to trust. Only when God is put to the test can we truly know what it means to trust him. If God always gave us what we wanted in the moment we asked for it, we would have no reason to trust him. We just, it, it, he becomes a vending machine for us. And I don't think we typically trust vending machines in the way that we don't trust people. We just, we, it's an object that gives us what we want. We put in our dollar, we push the button, we get out what we want. And God wants more than that for us. He's not looking for us to see him as an object that we put in our prayers, push the button, and he gives us what we want. He, he wants relationship with us. And relationship is always built on trust. And you can't build trust without some sense of waiting. It's just the nature of life. And somehow in that waiting, we are are put in a position where in our waiting, we affirm that we're not in control, God is. Which is probably at the heart of our struggle with waiting. When we are willing to wait, willing to let God's timing be God's timing, somehow in the midst of that, we begin to learn to trust that God in control is better than us in control. What a tough lesson to learn. I think back to the 11th chapter of John's gospel, the story of Lazarus. 
Lazarus is one of Jesus' closest friends. His sisters, Mary and Martha, have a house where Jesus and his disciples often seem to stay and spend time. It's a place for them to relax and sort of get away from all the crowds. And they seem to have become very close. And so, But Lazarus becomes ill, very ill. His sisters are worried that he's going to die. So they send a messenger to Jesus and say, could you come? Our brother is sick and you can do something about it. They get, the Jesus and the disciples get the message and I can, I can see the disciples beginning to pack up stuff and say, yeah, we got to go. And Jesus says, no, we're going to wait a little bit. Really? Yeah, we're going to wait. Okay. Half hour goes by, you ready to go? No, we're going to wait a little more. A couple hours? No, a little more. The next day? A little longer. The next day? All right, that's probably good enough. And off they go. And by the time they get to Bethany where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live, Lazarus is dead and they have put him in a tomb. And Jesus, when, when Martha sees Jesus coming, she runs out to him and she says, Lord, if you had been here, parentheses, if you had come when I asked you to, None of this would have happened. And Mary runs out to him and says, Lord, if you, had, if you had been here, come when we asked you, none of this would have happened. And Jesus says, I, I know that. But I've got something bigger in mind. And he walks over to the tomb and he calls Lazarus out And instead of healing a man who was sick, he raises a man who was dead. And scripture says, people all around went, whoa, this is something we didn't see before. And many people come to follow Jesus and put their trust in him. And he reveals the power of God to do more than people could have imagined. It's a hard lesson for them to learn. And it's a hard lesson for us to learn. That God's timing is always better than ours. Sometimes God's timing, as someone mentioned to me not too long ago, sometimes God's timing is not about us, it's about other people. It's what other people need to experience from God. And and in our walk with God, a part of being willing to wait on God is this sense of selflessness that says, God, I'll wait if it means helping somebody else who needs what you need to give them in the moment. If helping them in the moment means that I wait, I'm okay with that. And that kind of selfless spirit teaches us to trust and to draw closer to God Because ultimately, trust is not just about, hey, I trust God. But it's about drawing closer to God. It's about intimacy with God. It's about knowing God in in a way that we cannot know him without trusting him. Paul says here in Galatians, he, he describes it as a relationship with God as Abba Father. We call him Abba Father. We're not slaves anymore. We are children of God. And the word Abba translated a variety of ways. One of the ways in which people understand it is the word daddy. 
And I picture in my mind a little child climbing up into their father's lap and just sort of resting there. Because they trust their father. It's a place of security. Because throughout their life, their father has been trustworthy. Not perfect, but trustworthy. How much more our heavenly father who is perfect who is always trustworthy. And he invites us to come and to crawl up into his lap and to feel his arms around us and to look up into his face and say, I'm home. Doesn't mean everything about life disappears, all the hard stuff, the struggles, the difficulties. It's going to continue as long as we live on this earth. But there is a way of handling that when we are in the embrace of our Father. That's impossible to handle when we're trying to just do things on our own. And you can't learn to trust without being willing to wait for God's perfect timing. I'm convinced that if if the coming of Christ was all about the timing, then I think all the things that go on in our lives every day are all about the timing. And we don't always like the timing. We wrestle with it. We struggle with it. We complain about it. And some people in the period of waiting decide not to wait. We just run. We run ahead, we run away, we do our own thing. And that's a risk that God is willing to take. Because we aren't robots. We're his children. And he wants us to have intimacy, relationship with him that can only come through trust that's built through waiting. I suspect that every one of us wrestles with something. Even this morning as you've come here, there's something in your life where you are wrestling to wait for God's timing. An unanswered prayer relationship something about the future a struggle that you or someone you love is experiencing we all have them we all bring them and our loving father is calling us to trust him enough that we wait patiently, expectantly. In these next few moments of silence, you think about whatever that may be that you're waiting for. And ask God to give you grace to trust him.
His timing, His way. And I'm going to pray that we will sense God's loving, fatherly arms wrapped around us. Father, you know our struggle with waiting. We want to trust you. We want to believe that you know best. But we also want to control our lives. Give us grace in this moment to hand to you whatever it is about which we're impatient or struggling or wrestling or frustrated or angry. Help us to lay it at your feet and to be willing to wait because we trust you. And to feel your arms around us as we cry out, Abba, Father. Thank you, Father, for being trustworthy. For sending your son at just the right time. And for working in our lives at just the right time. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing together. Once in Royal Davis' 
the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.